Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. It's a great deal for them. I mean, who wouldn't want someone who doted over you all the time? Giving in to your every desire, monitoring your mood constantly, and adjusting accordingly, working overtime to figure out what might possibly upset you, and running interference before it happens, doing basically all the work. Well, let's be honest, that's a great deal, right? It's a great deal for the covert narcissist. We spend all of our energy making them happy, or trying to. We bend over backwards, we stand on our heads, spin in circles, jump up and down, sit in the corner and do nothing, whatever. Whatever it takes, just to keep peace with them. You know, my son said to me, Mom, you did A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. And Dad wouldn't even do A. He didn't have to. I did it all. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. And today we are talking about how great of a deal it is for the covert narcissist. We do all the work, picking up any slack that is present, and there is plenty. If you've been listening to my podcast episodes, you already know that. As you have heard, you know, in these episodes, the, the lack is emotionally, socially, psychologically, interpersonally, and so on. And so on. Most of us who have partnered with a covert narcissist tend towards the codependent side of that spectrum that we talk about. We over self reflect. We take on more than our fair share of the work and we simply just overachieve or try to overachieve at everything. So we try to be more perfect and we're the ones doing all the work. We take all the responsibility and we accept all the blame. They now have someone to take all of the blame for all of their actions, their shortcomings, their mistakes, their faults. And, you know, we might say, hey, you didn't take out the trash, but they respond, well, you didn't ask me to. So what do we think? Well, they are right. I didn't ask them to. You know, but this is their house too. They could notice that things need to get done around the home on their own. They could take some ownership of it. But instead, what we think is, well, I didn't ask him to, so I guess that is on me. I'll take care of it, and next time I will remember to ask. Maybe they say, you know, maybe we say to them, hey, you missed that doctor's appointment. And they respond, well, you didn't remind me. So what do we think? Well, I, I didn't remind them. I, and I know they're busy, so I probably should have reminded them. I'll call and get it rescheduled for them because it was my fault, and next time I'll make sure that I remind them. There we go. All the responsibility, all the blame. And these can seem like a nothing. And I understand that. This is something you would do in a healthy relationship for your partner. I get that. But this is everything. All day long, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It is everything. We take all the responsibility and all the blame. And the covert narcissistic partner, they're happy to help with this. You know, when we can blame something on someone else, when it is truly their fault and not ours, it does help your heart to feel better. Imagine a time when you thought something was your fault and you felt really bad about it and then you found out it wasn't your fault. Well, you probably experienced a bit of relief. You might still feel bad for that person and what they're experiencing, but it does feel better that it's not your fault. 
you know, my boys and I like to watch MASH. We watch MASH a lot. In fact, we've watched it so many times. My boys now quote it all the time. And in one episode, the colonel's horse escaped during the night because someone left the gate open. And the next morning, Radar realizes that he did this and he feels absolutely horrible about it. And he's fallen all over himself trying to apologize and telling the colonel that, you know, you can court-martial me, you can hang me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And the colonel speaks up and says, no, 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 this is my fault. I came out to see her last night. I must have left the gate open. Radar's response, oh, thank goodness. What a relief. Well, the horse is still lost, but Radar feels a whole lot better now that he's not the one carrying the blame. And it isn't clear in the episode whether or not Colonel is just saying this in order to make Radar feel better, but it is certainly a possibility. But when we can pass the blame on to someone else, it's a relief. This is what the covert narcissist does over and over and over. It's always your fault. And we over self-reflect and we take any possible ownership that we can. We want to find the blame in ourselves because we know we can change ourselves. We feel like, you know, we can do the, be the ones to do all the work. We know that we will put in the effort. And because we feel worse when the other person is hurting than when we are hurting, then we work extra hard to make sure they're not hurting. We know that we can handle that pain. And so we do everything we can to help them because they cannot handle that pain. Well, now a covert narcissist, they have to have someone in their life that they can pass that blame on to, whether you accept it or not. And so many victims of covert narcissism do accept that blame. There's just enough truth in what the covert narcissist says, along with the victim's tendency towards self-reflection and doing more than their fair share of the work to get the victim to take all the blame. It's a dangerous mixture for that target, but it's a great deal for the covert narcissist. Let's look a little deeper into this great deal for them. All of our attention is on them. We validate their greatness, telling them how wonderful they are. You know, we talked about that in the Wizard of Oz episodes. We just talk about how wonderful they are. They're just great and wonderful in all of this, and we validate their greatness, pumping them up over and over. Why? Why do we do this? Part of it is because when they do feel less than, whatever that looks like, the price is so heavy. We pay such a high you know, price for that emotionally that it's just not worth it. It's easier to just pump them up and make sure they feel good. Another reason we do this is because we believe that they struggle with low self-esteem. So we just, you know, try to make sure that we help them to feel loved and we make them feel cared for. That way, they will feel better about themselves. This is a way we think, a path that we think will help them to get better. Well, instead, what it becomes is they get out of accountability simply by activating your compassionate side. A covert narcissist, they'll play this image of a low self-esteem. You know that I struggle with my self-image. You know I had a rough childhood and that no one loved me. You know that I don't have confidence in myself. Well, now they're off the hook. What do we do? We go into overdrive. We pump them up, telling them, oh, but you have so many wonderful traits. Look at all these great things that you do. These are the things that, you know, that you do so well. And we believe in them. We, we tell them that they're so special and amazing. We make them feel desirable and needed. And we work really hard at this. When someone else 
treats them poorly or even just doesn't give them enough attention that they believe they should receive, we join them. We validate that they are an unfair victim, that the other person, they're being mean, they're being insensitive. You aren't this way. You are such a great person. And there we go again, building them back up. We laugh at all their stupid little jokes when maybe we don't really want to, but we do because, again, the price is too high and we're trying to build them up. Because when you don't laugh at their little jokes, then they say, well, hey, did you hear me? And they might repeat the joke like, like a small child looking for that reaction from you. And if you make the mistake of saying, yeah, I heard you, I just didn't find it funny, well, now you've hurt their feelings. And victim mode is right around the corner. So, because we are constantly caring for their feelings, we laugh at all their little jokes, we give them all the attention, we build, do everything we can to build them up. We rearrange everything for them, adjusting our schedule a hundred times in order to not inconvenience them. We anticipate all the problems, at least try to, and we fix them ahead of time, trying to cut off anything that will upset them. We buffer for them and the kids. We buffer for them and our family. We buffer for them and their friends. We buffer for them and the world. We enable them. We make it possible for them to continue being the way they are. And I'm certainly not saying that this is all your fault. Not at all. Your kindness was used against you. Your kindness is certainly not a weakness. This is not your fault. But I reached a point in my healing journey that I absolutely had to consider what is it in me that allowed myself to be treated this way for years, for over two decades. For real? I mean, who else in this world, while struggling to express their own feelings, will work overtime to protect the other person's feelings? Let me explain what I mean here. I'm the one that's hurt, and I want to tell you that I'm hurting, but I'm going to overprotect your feelings while trying to express mine, working extra hard to make sure that you don't feel bad. That was my marriage. He would have upset me in something that had happened in a conversation, and I want to talk to him about it, but what was on my radar? How to make sure I could talk to him without upsetting him, without hurting him, even though I had felt horrible for months on end from conversation after conversation, but yet I was protecting him more than caring for my own feelings, more than giving voice to my feelings, more than allowing them to exist. More of our mental energy goes towards their protection while we are trying to express ourselves. We work extremely hard to do things in a way that gives them the win. Make something their idea. Have you ever done that? If I can just find a way to make it his or her idea, then it will be okay. Then we can get this to happen. And so I spend extra time trying to figure out how to make something be their idea so that we can go forward. That's crazy. How about giving them credit? I have to find a way where they can take credit for this work that I just did so that they can feel good. Fulfilling their desires. I have to find ways to fulfill their desires. And, you know, I can inconvenience myself. I'll inconvenience myself a thousand times before I'll inconvenience him because the price is too high. This is the work that goes on. Again, it's a great deal for them. We do all the emotional work. We process all the emotions in the relationship. We do all the work. We carry all the emotional weight. 
We even do all the bidding for them. We'll take over so many roles in their world. And in my group sessions, I have a handout that's called trauma bonding roles. And these roles that we play, like cheerleader, I became a cheerleader in my marriage, a parenting coach, an emotional supporter, a social planner, financial advisor, secretary. We take care of them doing everything. My husband used to say to me that he wanted to start, he wanted me to start making lots of money so he could just stay home and be my pet. That's what he said to me. He wanted to stay home, basically lay around all day, mostly probably gaming and watching movies, and for me to just take care of everything. Well, I already did all the work with the kids. I did all the housework. I did all the yard work. I scheduled all the appointments. I took the boys when they needed to go somewhere. I cooked all the meals. I cleaned the kitchen. And he wanted more. He wanted me to make all the money in the family too. After everything I was already doing. When I finally would stop doing the chores for the day, he wanted all of my attention then for himself. And he wanted it now. There was absolutely no time for me. When I insisted that I needed some time for me, then he turned on that victim mode. And I felt bad. So what did I do? I kicked it all back into gear to give of myself again, and now all of my my attention is on him. It's a great deal for him. Again, it's a great deal for the covert narcissist. You do all the work, and they reap all the benefits. He used to say to me when I'd get, you know, really busy and I'm doing all of these things, one of the things he would say to me is, how do I get on your to-do list? What? Of course, he said he was only joking when I kind of spoke up of, you know, that's kind of not okay. And, and he said, I, you know, I was only joking, but it never came across that way. And he said it repeatedly. How do I get on your to-do list? As though, why aren't you giving me any attention? I should have said to him, you can be on my to-do list when you start helping my to-do list shrink. We overlook their faults, pushing everything under the rug. It just isn't safe to talk to them about things. It's not worth the price, so you keep your mouth shut. They learn over time just how much they can get away with. After only a few years with them, you begin to keep your mouth shut about everything. Your willingness to give them the benefit of the doubt becomes your unwillingness to hold them accountable for anything. It just isn't worth it. Your willingness to do more than your fair share of the work becomes your willingness to do everything in order to keep the peace. Your willingness to see the good in others becomes your unwillingness to speak up about the bad. Again, just not worth it. Your willingness to forgive others becomes your willingness to overlook everything, shove it under the rug as quickly as you can, and go into that fawning stage, that people please, to make them happy again. Your sensitivity to their feelings gets weaponized against you. It will be overplayed to soothe their internal wounding. You are a band-aid to them, making them feel better about who? Themselves. Pumping up their ego, telling them how wonderful they are, pointing out their good qualities. You believe that you're doing a good thing here. How is that wrong? Because it's being used against you. They become intensely dependent upon it terrified of it ever going away and hypersensitive to any signs from you that you are unhappy with them. That's where all that defensiveness comes in and the hypersensitivity comes in and the jealousy because they don't want that attention to ever go anywhere else. It belongs only on them. And again, it's a great deal for them. They don't want to lose it. 
So you work extra hard to always make them feel happy, good, successful, important, loved, respected, and so on. And it's never enough. They're like a bucket that you're trying to fill this bucket, but the bucket doesn't have a bottom. It's just a hole and it just runs straight through. So it's a constant flow of of input into them, positive input into them, positive attention into them, and it will never, ever, ever be enough. Again, it's a great deal for them. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are CNG as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.